Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to part two of The Moon Underwater, soundtracked by the opening of a Guinness 0.0, which is fitting for the pub we're creating this evening, with Helen Zaltzman, podcast and writer extraordinaire. But you're not a a podcast, sorry. Podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) Do people just think you're actually a podcast? Yeah, just a a corporeal uh, distillation of podcast. Why not? It's hard to tell the difference these days. And uh, fitting that one of Helen's podcasts is about etymology. I've got to be careful not to confuse that with entomology, which is insects, I think, which is something that both an etymologist and an entomologist would know. But before we head back into Helen's dream pub, we must resolve the matter of the Moon Underwater pub quiz. Robin. Thanks, John. Yes, so it was a question all about words derived from the ancient Greek. Question one, what word was coined by Sir Thomas More in 1516 from the ancient Greek for no place? Helen, what what are you saying for that? I was thinking about utopias, but that's not what utopia means. So now I'm trying to break it down. My ancient Greek is so rusty. My GCSE was in 1995. So go on, put me out of this mild misery. Well, uh, John, what, what, what are you saying? No, I think Helen's right. I think it is utopia. Yeah, so I've got utopia, but so I'm, I'm going to give you both a point, but why do you think that isn't the right answer? I just don't have much self-confidence. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to have like a, a bit of something that would trump Wikipedia. But <laughs> You can trust Wikipedia more than me these days. <laughs> so question two was, uh, what word for an emotion or feeling derives from the Greek for black bile? Helen, do you know that one? Oh, is it is it choleric? Choleric. Oh, melancholy. Sorry, it's melancholy. Choleric is the other bile. Right, yes. Helen's gone melancholy. John? I didn't know that one, I'm afraid. No worries, man. Yeah, it's to do with the fact, you know, your bile, your humours would be out of sequence, <laughs> out of place. I don't know. And black bile was related to uh, melancholy. Yeah, it's like sanguine is the blood one. Mm. Does melon mean black? Yeah. Well, like as in melanin. Correct. Oh, God, isn't language fascinating? It's good, isn't it? Eee. It is good, isn't it? Question three, were, how are the words apocalypse and eucalyptus related? They both share a common root in ancient Greek. 
So Helen, how, how do you get on with this one? Well, the apo is a prefix, so the calypt or calypse part must be the common thing, which I think means like hidden or something. Well, yeah, let's see. Helen's gone hidden. John? Well, again, I'm struggling here, but I have heard, I've been told what apocalypse means before, and I think it means uncovering, but that's as far as I got with the sort of uh, breakdown. I'll give you both the points there, because you're both in the right ballpark. It's the, They're both related to the word cover. Apocalypse means uncovering or revealing, as in the Revelation. And eucalyptus uh, derives from the kind of words cover up, I guess because leaves hide things. I'm not really sure. Mm. So there we go. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give you the points for that. But Helen, you've got three out of three. I think it would have been really bad if I hadn't given my job. <laughs> yeah, but that's great. Oh, so apparently eucalyptus was so called because of the covering on the bud. Ah, there we go. No. That seems a bit unimaginative because a lot of buds have coverings on. Yeah, right. Why that one? Why call it that one? Anyway. I guess it was first. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to tell us a bit more about your etymological podcast? (laughs) Because even that brief insight into the world of etymology has really given me a thirst. Yeah, it's good fun, isn't it? Well, actually, a lot of them are disappointing. You look them up and it's either like unknown or it's just it's meant the same thing for like two and a half thousand years but some of them are a real treat uh, one that i learned the other day was escape which is so incredibly literal that it sounds like it's made up it means to get out of your cape like someone pursuing you has grabbed onto your cape and you've wriggled out of it and got away wow isn't that absurd so uh, thank you for uh, the quiz robin and we head back to helen zaltzman's dream pub helen Spirits. We've got a very broad definition here, if you don't want to go down the alcoholic route, but uh, let us know what you've come up with. I would like there to be a bottle of Laphroaig, because Mm. I do miss that. And Ah. at at least I could buy some to sniff. Right. Like, not snort, just, you know, have the waft of the aroma. There are certain booze smells that I really enjoy. So the scent of Laphroaig wouldn't trigger the allergy? No, (laughs) no. And I could probably have a sip of Laphroaig before my face was like, you know what? I'm going to do the thing. I never drank loads of whiskey, but the whiskey that I really enjoyed was Laphroaig. I think it may not be physically possible to drink loads of it because it burns so much. But what you don't get with the booze-free versions of alcoholic drinks, I find, is the burning. Yeah, very hard to replicate the sensation of burning in a sort of safe-to-consume way. Though I guess you yeah. could, again, it could be booze warheads could be the answer. Mm. Yeah, maybe, but that's more of a kind of acidic searing. Mm. And heartburn wouldn't be <laughs> the appropriate way to replicate it. Maybe they're working on it, the boozy burn. Well, Laphroaig is a popular choice from the peatier side of the whiskey scale. What would be your second spirit? Well, since we've already got my veritable garden of fresh mint... For the soda water bar, I think I'd go for a virgin mojito. All right, we can keep a booze on hand for people who want an actual mojito. But I think we have the makings of it already, given that it's essentially the soda water bar, but maybe there's a chance for this pub to actually make some money on it. So we've got all the ingredients for the virgin mojito, and we're going to have a little sort of under-the-counter bottle of rum for people who want to uh, go full whack. Mm. Yeah, if they, they have to order... A boozy virgin mojito. Yeah. The, the default mojito is the virgin one. So you have to kind of request the booze. Yeah, I want them to feel the embarrassment I feel when I order a virgin version of a drink because it's such an awful labelling. What's what's in a mojito? So you've got your rum and your mint. Yeah, limes. 
Is there brown sugar in there? Definitely some sugar. I think the muddling is the sugar and the mint and then the lime juice and then rum and soda, I think. Must be such a pain in the ass though, to be a bartender and have to make anything that involves squeezing a lime or muddling. Well, outside of your pub, where I'm absolutely fine with it, I have a bit of a problem with pubs serving cocktails. And I would say most bartenders would agree that it's a real pain to be asked to shake and muddle and stir and, you know, use the the coffee machine for an espresso martini. Yeah, the coffee machine in a pub as well. That is a slow machine. When people are sort of stood in the queue staring at you with their two pints of stellar eyes, (laughs) saying, why on earth are we going through this? Yeah, I was once uh, buying a round in a cocktail bar and a friend had ordered an amaretto sour and it took like 40 minutes to get because the bartender kept dropping the eggs on the floor. Oh my God. (laughs) Excruciating for everyone. Like a sort of taskmaster task. Yeah, except it's literally just separating an egg, which is actually not very hard. (laughs) But maybe it is when it's midnight and you've been working already for like eight hours. Yes, very true. When I worked in the college bar, the they did sell cocktails, but there were basically a pint of shots. That was <laughs> the cocktail we had. And the other one, I can't remember what it was. It was called a toilet duck. Yikes. And there was definitely blue curacao in it, but I forget what else. That kind of, in the 90s, that kind of student drinking was, I don't know if it's still the same, but that kind of thing where you'd go to a party and there'd be punch, uh, you know, just orange vodka or something it was just absolutely lethal. It was such a bad idea, wasn't it? Yeah, a wretched time to yeah. be a little to no drinker. Yeah. Really awful. Helen, there's a chance we may have shared tutors or at least lecturers because you did old and medieval English at St. Catherine's. That's right. Yeah. I did old and me- medieval English at St. Anne's. No way. Another course too. Course oh my two, God, We're massive. such a rare breed. <laughs> oh man, it's very rare you get to meet a course a fellow course two alumnus. Oh, sorry, Robin, this is going to get dull for you. No, it's all right. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> well, Rob, Robin's course one through and through. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, so mainstream. I know. Uh, yeah, it was a good course to do, John, because there was far less to read. They didn't write as much pre fourteen hundreds. There was less to read, but you did have to learn another language that was constantly evolving to read it. Which was the bit I sort of failed at, I have to say. Did you do all the Old Norse and stuff like that? No, I just did Old English and Middle English. And the results in my finals were heavily weighted to my uh, optional choices, aside from the, the core of the tour. Yeah, mine too. I did really poorly in one of the exams. It was embarrassing. But luckily it got replaced with an optional thesis about something much easier. I just found because so few people did the course, I was largely left to my own devices, which were not studying. Mm. Uh, I had a great time. St. Catherine's a beautiful college, isn't it? It's like, we're talking about cutlery, but it hasn't, isn't like every element of St. Catherine's was designed by the same architect, like down to the cutlery and stuff. Have I just made that up? Yeah, it was designed by Arnie Jacobson of Swan Chair fame. And actually, they didn't let undergrads use the cutlery. Right. Because it was valuable. I can't remember how much it was per set. But people would nick it. I have a fork. But that's because the fork got into the main forks. And I was like, well, 
Yeah. It's here. It's meant, to, it's meant to be with me. So that's now my pickle fork. Nice. But uh, also the soup spoons were only for right-handers, which is discriminatory. Mm. A bit like that happened at Oaxaca. They had to do a, a cutlery amnesty where they gave you a free starter if you brought cutlery back because so many people had <laughs> stolen cutlery from Oaxaca. Oh, no. I do feel bad about my little stolen trophies. I've got a, a an old on-air light from BBC TV Centre right next to where we're recording now that I took on the night, the last night I was recording in there before they decommissioned the building. And I felt terrible about it, but then it would have just ended up in a skit. Yeah, the amount of stuff, the knocking around the BBC, because they they refurbish it about once every three months. <laughs> and, and yet some parts of it are still untouched since the sort of 80s. Very strange. Like with John's ex's spoon, if you've got some cutlery that is burning a hole of guilt in your cutlery drawer, for whatever reason... You can bring it to the pub and it will be like the amnesty and it will join yeah. this like realm of misfit cutlery. <laughs> the pub of lost spoons. Yeah, and Rogani Jacobson forks with very, very short tines. <laughs> I'm loving this. I love the fact that the the, uh, the standard mojito is alcohol-free and you have to ask for a boozy. You should, all, you should kind of have to ask for, I don't know, a, a sort of um, promiscuous mojito. Oh, that's a good mm. idea. Or, or just, uh, I don't know, what do you... Like the whole concept of virginity is like <laughs> such a weird problem. But like, what do you say when someone has uh, gone past that? A sexually experienced mojito. It sounds a bit creepy. <laughs> a mojito that fucks, please. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Well, we now head into the leather-backed chairs and leather-bound tomes of the Moon Underwater Pub Library. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Ah, thanks, John. Welcome to the Moon Underwater Pub Library. This week, it's Queenie, the debut novel by Candice Carty-Williams, which came out in 2019. It's a brilliant comic novel, which, like all good comic novels, is actually very serious. It deals with race, gentrification and mental health, but does so with a very light touch. Her writing on anxiety in particular I found very, very powerful. So in this scene, the narrator Queenie is about to go on another disastrous date with a man known as Balding Alpha and has gone for a pre-drink drink with her friend Darcy to settle her nerves. So here we go. Darcy had to escort me to Brixton after work and sit with me in the pub opposite the bar he'd suggested until it was time for the date. But why are you so nervous? Balding Alpha seems like a nice guy, she said, sitting down at the table. Exactly that, Darcy, I said. This one is nice. Plus, it's been a long time since I went on a date. Don't forget that since Tom, despite me wanting them to be nice and romantic, all of my dates have been sex appointments. What if my chat is all rubbish and so he hates me and just thinks I'm annoying? I'm not going to dignify that with a response, Darcy said, opening a bag of crisps. No, please don't do this. I'm not fishing. My self-esteem is legitimately so low that I actually feel like he's going to walk in, take one look at me and then walk out. Queenie, she said sternly, offering me a crisp. No, I don't know how you can eat at a time like this. I pushed the bag away. Anyway, just as importantly, in the unlikely event that he does fancy me, I'm not going to have sex with him. I think that's wise, Darcy said, chewing carefully. You've been through a lot, and I think that if you are going to have sex again, it could possibly be with someone who is not an arsehole. I'm not. I mean it, I promised. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf for this sort of thing. Okay, good. One question, though. If by some fluke he is blind and so is attracted to me, can I go home with him? 
Queenie, Darcy interrupted, impatient. If you're serious about prolonging anything, then, and I absolutely hate to say this, but you should at least wait until date two. Women should be free to have sex on date one, two, fifteen, without being judged or cast aside, but sadly, men aren't as evolved as women. So there we go. That's a bit from Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams, which I really enjoyed. Read it last week. Thought it was very, very funny. It really did bring to mind the pre-drink chats. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do like that. The dialogue's very, very good, and it's being turned into a TV show, which comes out on Channel 4 quite soon, I think. So it was really good. Great stuff. Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams enters the Moon Underwater pub library. Over a hundred tomes in there now, Robin. Yeah, some of them have had kind of... Some of them have been in more than once, though, haven't they? Yeah, some of them are quite well-thumbed. Yeah. Um, We've got quite a few copies of Ulysses in there. Yeah, why not? But great pub book. (laughs) Yeah, great pub book. One of the greats. Well, no one's reading it, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I used to work in a second-hand bookshop and we used to sell books... So some of the books were 10p each, so people would come in to furnish a room. So now when I'm in pubs and they've got shelves full of books, I'm like, oh, I can see like there's the Reader's Digest fake leather sets and right. stuff like that. Just a lot of stuff no one ever wants to read. Yeah. But sometimes you get something really weird and that's great. I think maybe they should all have erotica inside the covers so people pick it up. And then they're like, I don't know what to do now. Do I keep reading? Well, we don't just have a library here at the Moon or Daughter. We also have a jukebox, Helen. And we ask each guest to furnish the jukebox with a CD. It's got to be a CD. (laughs) For the sort of music that you would want to hear playing in your dream pub. Can we also make sure that the jukebox can only play the song once in a row because I remember being in a pub in Oxford in about 1998 and we tried to put a song on the jukebox and instead it played Oh What a Night by Clock three times. (laughs) Great song. That cannot happen in my pub. Instead, I think what I would like... Okay, I think pub music needs to be never above a certain BPM. Mm-hmm. Right. It should not be beatsy. It should never be faster than Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves, but maybe it should be slower than that. I would want a CD that I have burnt that is all covers of the song I Started a Joke, which was originally by the Bee Gees, mm. but I think the best cover is by Mike Patton of Faith No More. Oh, nice. It's a great playlist. <laughs> it has sometimes been on in my household. Yeah. Strong recommend. That's a great song. I didn't know there was a Mike Patton cover. Oh, it's really good. He's very good at covers. When I saw Faith No More, it was about 10 years ago, and it was at a festival in France, and without any introduction or any context, they played the theme from EastEnders. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, but this was a French audience, just like, (laughs) no idea what it was anyway. Did did they uh, do the lyrics version? No, um, I can't remember. I remember Mike Patton was in a very kind of fetching lilac suit. Uh, it was so mm-hmm. weird. But yeah, great band. And then for the end of the evening, when I used to work in a bar, to show people it was time for them to go home, we would play Always On My Mind by Elvis nice. and then bring the lights up. So I think I would have that as well. I'm just checking whether anyone can fall in love. The EastEnders lyric song by Anita Dobson and the Simon May Orchestra. I'm just checking whether it was produced by Brian May, but I don't think it was. No, it wasn't. What a pointless thing to look up. <laughs> uh, but they did they did meet sort of slightly prior to that time, I think. It's produced by Simon May, 
Is that a related May? Don't think it is a related May. I think May probably took a back seat. So you, you don't mind having just the same song over and over again, just played by different artists then? No, I'm pro that. Sure. <laughs> and who are some of the other artists on the uh, on the playlist? I can't remember because the two that I can remember are the Bee Gees and the <laughs> Mike Patton version, but there were enough. Uh, my, my husband found a playlist of covers and there were a, a lot. Oh no, Robbie Williams and The Orb released a reggae rendition of the song. <laughs> we That is forbidden, I'm afraid quite funny that you're actually banning songs from the I Started a Joke covers album, as if there's sort of an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> if it's just the Bee Gees and the Mike Patton version, if it's just the Mike Patton <laughs> okay. version over again, that's fine. As long as it's not Oh What a Night by Clock. L- Low have covered it, that's who I was thinking of. Okay, lovely. That's good. Very nice. Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys covered I Started a Joke. Yeah. They also covered Always On My Mind, and I think you could play the Pet Shop Boys version at the beginning to show that the pub was open for the day, and then the Elvis version at the end. Well, it's, it's a much-covered tune and a very interesting addition to the jukebox here. I look forward to playing it on repeat. now move on to Helen Zaltzman's wild card choice. This really is anything goes here, Helen. So what are you going to go for? And it's got to be a drink. It can be anything you like. Oh, well, so much pressure. Okay, well, I think instead of games or the the main game, I think I would have giant boggle that people could play. But it's a quiet enough game that if you don't want to participate, like when there's a quiz going on, you have to go to a different area of the pub with the giant boggle. It's mostly people looking at a notepad for three minutes, furiously writing down words. And I made a giant boggle set in 2006. Josie Long and I were always trying to get giant boggle to work as a stage thing at Robin Ince's book club. And we took it to Latitude with my giant inflatable boggle set. And it has never worked on stage. (laughs) But I think it's time could be in this pub at last. I've still got it. It's ready to go. Is it quite hard because the audience can't see sort of because you really need a sort of top down view of the boggle? Well, it stands on its side, John, the giant boggle. It's like a wall, an inflatable wall of boggle. A boggle wall. Yeah. I had the very great pleasure of playing Josie Long at Boggle on stage in Edinburgh one year. And um, it was one of those moments that I rediscovered recently when I was on Pappy's Flat Share Slam Down. Whenever I am faced with any kind of competitive game in a comedic environment, mm-hmm. I suddenly forget that what we're doing is trying to make people laugh. And I become so obsessed <laughs> with winning that I sort of ruin everything and leave a really sour taste in the mouth. Oh, that might be some people's flavour of entertainment. But I think Josie gets quite concentrated on a competition as well. Who won? I think I won. I was um, Scrabble obsessed at at uni to a point at which that was one of the reasons I got such a bad grade. I used to play on a very early iteration of like online Scrabble in sort of 2002, three, four. And there's just a switch that goes off in my head when it's anything to do with words. And I've just become a really unpleasant person to be around. That's course two. You can't trust us. (laughs) (laughs) When we were at your your birthday shindig uh, the other weekend, John, and we were playing Wordle. You were very cross when people were talking. What, during Silent Wordle? Yeah. yeah. Because 
the whole point of silent Wordle is to be able to play Wordle in a group setting with complete and utter silence. <laughs> Who came up with silent Wordle? Uh, me. It's <laughs> silent Wordle is my dream, and it happens once a year on my birthday. <laughs> Do you play Squirtle, John? I play Octurdle, I play Metrurdle, I play Quirtle. I've, I've never heard of Squirtle. So Squirtle is like a Boggle-style game. Oh, my God. It's the only one I still play because I found Wordle a little too dull. I'm sorry. Maybe we need to invite Helen onto the Wordle WhatsApp group and give her access to the spreadsheet. <laughs> All right. I love spreadsheets. <laughs> I was very happy with my conditional formatting on that spreadsheet, by the way. it's Yeah, it's a superb bit of business. Thank you. So Giant Boggle is your wild card, but it's not any boggle. It's a wall of boggle. Well, it's my giant inflatable boggle was made to be able to stand up so that a full audience could see it. Yeah. And it has not degraded in the 17 years since I handmade it. So, yeah, it's it's uh, I think it's time. But did you find that the onstage boggle worked? Because I could never get it to work. No. But that was because of your soul making it too competitive. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I ham-fisted any chance at it taking off as a, as a sort of televisual format or even a format that people might think, yeah, I want to see that. I want to see people get really angry and sort of quite <laughs> fastidious about the rules on TV. No, but Josie's great fun to boggle with. Yeah, although she organised in Edinburgh in 2005 the World Boggle Championships thinking she would win and I won and she was quite pissed off about it. <laughs> OK, well, now we leave our regular listeners, the Johnny Come Flyby Nightlies, to twiddle their thumbs, listen to a bit of incidental music, or maybe play a game of giant inflatable boggle, because we are going to find out who Helen Zoltzman's dream pub companion is. And this is only available to our Patreon subscribers, and every single hapeth that you provide to us goes to keeping this crazy old pub in... Well, what do we keep it in, Rob? Licks of paint? Got to keep it in mint. Mint, Mint, yeah, because we do apply the paint with our tongues. Old wood. Old wood. Quite an unpleasant process, licking paint onto a building to to repaint it, but it just gives us... You can't get that finish anywhere else. (laughs) For those of you who uh, don't subscribe, we'll be back with you very shortly. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And we return to the Johnny Come Fly Be Nightlies with Helen Zaltzman's choice, A Secret, unless you want to subscribe and catch up on all the past episodes with bonus pub companions. Two bits of business to attend to, but I am going to just recap what we've got in your pub before we get to them. We've got, well, first off, what have we got outside? We've got a June evening. What have we got inside? We've got November and rain outside when you're inside. November rain. November rain, hey. yes. We've got purposeful ornamentation and no dregs of multiple Marys ending in anyone drinking a burp. <laughs> we've got a soda water bar. We've got constant boiling water in the samovars for a variety of teas. We've got cans of Big Tom, bottles of Bundaberg ginger beer. In the spirit section, we have Lafroig and mojitos. And if you want them with rum, you're going to have to come up with some kind of lewd name uh, to preface your order. We've got uh, two covers of I Started a Joke on the jukebox. Uh, may or may not be adding a third. The Pet I Shop think we Boys. can have all the covers except for the Robbie Williams one. OK, all covers of I Started a Joke burned onto a CD, but not Robbie Williams and TBC Freddy Star, um, depending on how good it is. We've got Inflatable Giant Boggle on the wall so that everyone can play along. And I'm guessing because it's inflatable, it doesn't make an enormous racket when you shake it. No, it's uh, it's made out of uh, cotton sheets with like those spherical punching balloons inside so that you can mm. deflate it and take it to festivals. But it doesn't have the like vinyl squeaking. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's acoustically gentle, which I think people want in a pub. Yes. Yes. Underrated. Truly underrated. They really need some acoustic treatments. I mean, that's why I love a carpet in a pub. They're clever when they have carpet on the underside of the tables. Ooh. That really absorbs a lot of the noise without you noticing, without it getting saturated yeah. in sticky beers. What a clever idea. Only a podcaster would know that putting carpet under a table deadens the sound. In, a, in, a, in an eatery, because I think maybe in a pub you want a cleanable floor. Yeah. But yeah, you really don't want the, the din. I think people find that increasingly difficult with the sensory processing, but also just you want to talk without straining your voice. But now we come to what you want barred from your pub, Helen. What are you not allowing? You're barred. Okay, so I've already not allowed pale walls, acoustic shrillness and volume, music over a certain BPM. I would bar sports shouting. You can have a (laughs) woo at a minimum, but the only sports that are on are pole vault, and curling, um, and timber sports. Quinoa I would ban because, you know, on the menu, there's usually like one really sad vegan option, which is like a quinoa bowl. And it's like, you know, it's going to be so dry and not have any flavour. So I'd ban that. I'd ban plaques with sexist jokes on and like antique chamber pots. Well, they do have a purposeful ornamentation in an emergency. Oh, that's true. But I like all the other choices. As someone who has been in and out of veganism, there is nothing quite so depressing 
as a pub with a really enticing sort of, you know, dirty fries menu. Mm. And the one vegetarian or vegan option is some incredibly worthy chickpea-based sort of summer bowl. And you're like, why? Everyone else is having curly fries with melted cheese and sort of chili con carne on it. Why am I eating something absolutely devoid of any flavour? It's the assumption that if you want the vegan option, you're on some kind of health retreat. Well, also you want the food to be punishing because food that is made out of vegetables can be delicious if you care about it. But I think the chefs don't often don't care. And also they're like, oh, this sounds dreadful. They'll love it. Yeah, I think my pet hate is a chickpea patty in a veggie burger that's just been deep fried and tastes of nothing plus God, oil. God, that is arid as well. Well, fantastic. I do look forward to watching pole vaulting and curling. Yeah. Curling's actually an incredible... It's one of those sports you get into once every four years for an evening. Yeah. yeah. And you never understand how it works. Nope. Doesn't stop it being compelling. And then you do not seek it out for another four years. Hurry up, please. It's time. Well, finally, we just ask you to name this pub you've created and then you can take it away with you for whenever you need it the most. I name it The Definite Article. Mm. Oh, very good. Like it. I always forget what The Definite Article is. Is it the? Yeah, it's the. Phew. It's there in the name of the pub, John, so that you can remember it. Oh, very good. So is it the brackets definite article or is it the definite article? That's an option on the sign, but I think in any other form it would be irritating to have... Like like Panic at the Disco kept changing the punctuation in their name. No one needs that, but you could have it in the painted sign. It's a great name for a great pub, and we thank you, Helen, for your time here at The Moon Underwater. We wish you the best on your travails back to the uh, other realm, but I've really enjoyed creating the definite article with you this evening. Thank you so much for coming to my pub. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 